All right. Hey, friends, it's John Odom. The teaching text for today comes from Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to start by reading verses 25 through 30. Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow. They don't labor or spin. And yet, I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow's thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? As I read this text, one of the first things that stands out to me is that worry is nothing new. In fact, I'm sure listening to this or watching this uh, right now, there are many of us who'd say, I struggle with worry or I struggle with anxiety. And Jesus names two specific sources of worry or anxiety. He mentions uh, food and clothing. And certainly we worry about those things, uh, those specifics, food and clothing. But I also think they represent some different categories of worry. A food could just mean sustenance. Uh, it could mean our inner needs, uh, our need to be loved, our spiritual, our emotional needs, the stuff that matters to us on the inside. Clothing is this the self that we're projecting to the world. This could mean, mean things like significance or our outer needs, our relational needs, our vocational needs, our physical needs. And people have worried about these things for all of human history. Now, it may, because of social media, feel like people are more worried or anxious now than we have ever been. But imagine living through the Black Plague, the bubonic plague, where 25 million people uh, were killed. Imagine going through that and you go to a doctor and he says, well, I think we need to attach a leech to you. That'll really help. Do you think those people getting leeches on them were less worried about their lives than we are? Worry is, is nothing new. And as Jesus is delivering this sermon, overlooking the Sea of Galilee, the worried masses are huddled around them and he looks out at them and he loves them and he gives this imperative. He says, do not worry. And you can imagine the scene being on the hillside and the wind is blowing and trees are around you. Jesus draws two examples from uh, the natural world that would have been around them uh, in the very moment. Uh, birds and flowers. I love the birds in my neighborhood. We've got robins and sparrows and blue jays and cardinals and even herons and woodpeckers. I love the birds. And Jesus says, think about the birds. They don't have a retirement plan. They don't, they don't uh, you know, stock up for the winter and yet their needs are met. And he points out the flowers. I love going down Oklahoma highways and seeing the Indian paintbrushes and that kind of reddish uh, salmon coral color. I'm terrible with colors if that's not descriptive enough. Um, but I love seeing them by the side of the highway. Nobody plants them. Nobody tends them. And yet they're breathtaking. And Jesus says of the birds and the flowers, they do nothing to plan for their future. And yet God feeds them and God clothes them and gives them just what they need. And he concludes, if God does this for the various elements within the natural world, surely he's willing to do it uh, for you precisely because you matter to him. You're more valuable to him than birds and flowers. 
Do you believe, I wonder if I'd ask you, do you believe in your heart of hearts that you matter to God? Do you matter that you in your very being are inherently worthy of his love? Do you believe that, that he sees your needs and, and would legitimate them and, and, and wants to provide for you? Can you see that when you think about the world? Ultimately, we all tend to find what we're looking for in this life. Uh, if you look for reasons to worry, you are absolutely going to find them, whether they're really there or not. There's the story of the little boy who, uh, beginning when he was about six years old, started drawing all the time. And so uh, he's drawing this and that, and his parents begin paying attention to what he's drawing, and his pictures really uh, concern them. He always draws pictures of people who are lying down. They're never standing up, playing, walking around, smiling. They're always lying down. And as uh, the kid's drawing improves, uh, the faces of the people lying down appear to be increasingly in anguish. They, they seem like they're in pain. And this concerned the parents who assume that there's something like emotionally disturbed with their child. There's something wrong with them. And so they watch and they wait and they hope that things could work out and things actually go the opposite direction. Things seem to get even more troublesome. Uh, the boy, as he's getting better at his craft, begins drawing images of people who appear to be uh, bleeding. And as he's playing with his toys, he starts taking off the arms and the legs of his little toy soldiers. And the parents are convinced that there is some darkness brooding uh, within their child. And when they asked him, they finally confronted him if they were reading the situation right. That in fact, you know, he was drawing pictures of people in pain and bleeding and he was taking off the appendages of his toys. Uh, the boy was very relaxed and nonchalant and said, yeah, that's what I see when I think about things. So this relaxed and transparent answer really freaks out the parents. And so they call a child psychologist and they take their son to the psychologist. And the psychologist says, would you draw something for me? And the kid immediately begins drawing the thing that he thinks about. He draws pictures of people lying down and missing appendages and bleeding. And the psychologist said uh, to the boy, he said, your parents are very concerned that you're becoming an angry child. And the boy said, why would I be angry? Uh, my parents are so nice to me. The only thing that would make me uh, become angry is if they wouldn't let me be what I wanted to be when I grow up. The psychologist says, and what would that be? The boy said, well, a doctor, of course. We all tend to find what we're looking for in this life. So one person said, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Jesus concludes his teaching in Matthew chapter six in this way. He says, so don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear for the pagans? The rest of the world runs after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. And then this is verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In this passage uh, we're reading here, Jesus doesn't invalidate our legitimate internal and external needs, but he does reprioritize them. He puts them in a broader context by instructing us to seek first, of first importance, chief importance, the kingdom of God. What does this entail? Well, rather than seeking first, to meet our own needs, rather than striving first to provide our own sense of sustenance and significance, 
rather than seeking first uh, some way of alleviating our worries, Jesus says we should seek first. We should passionately search for. We should ardently strive to see the reign of God come to bear in our lives and in our world. So in those places where there's darkness, seek to shine the light. Uh, Where there's corruption, to bring justice. Where there's ailment, to bring healing. Where there's despair, to bring hope. Where there's division, to bring reconciliation. Where there's brokenness, to strive for restoration. Where there are signs of sin, to embody the fruits of the Spirit. Where there's idolatry, uh, to, to to, to, to bring about the proper and the humble worship of God. Jesus says to seek first these things. It gives the the image of like passionately searching for something. Seek first the kingdom of God like you search for your keys when you're running late to that meeting. Ardently strive to find it, to see it brought to bear and made reality. Seek first the kingdom and if you do, count on all these things being added to you as well. So we read chapter 6 in its fullness, all these things being a sense of significance, being sustenance, being a sense of inner peace and purpose. And Jesus here is giving us a lesson in indirection. If you spend your life chasing sustenance and significance, you're going to find reasons to worry because all of these things are elusive and so easily slip through our fingers. But if you spend your life seeking the kingdom, God will sustain you and will, will meet your needs along the way. If it's true that we all ultimately find what we're looking for in this life, we want to be people who look for and seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus' original audience would have had in mind as he gave this teaching about not worrying about food and clothing, the people of Israel as they made their pilgrimage through the wilderness, leaving slavery and on their way to the promised land. For 40 years, they wandered through the wilderness and miraculously every morning, God provided manna for them to eat. In those 40 years of the journey, their sandals didn't wear out and their clothes didn't wear out. God miraculously sustained them and provided for them on the journey. And like Israel, uh, Christians, followers of Jesus are, are pilgrim people, people on the way, seeking the kingdom, not fully knowing where this story is going to lead us. But being pilgrim people, we keep up an adventurous spirit and we trust God for the miraculous along the way. I've never shared this story publicly. But in December of 2016, Emily and I had been praying for several years about a desire that God had birthed in our heart to plant a church. And there came a time on December 29th, 2016, where I felt like the Holy Spirit said, John, it's time to get moving. I'm planting a church. And I had had a desire to do this in the past and didn't know how it would work. And I began to be fearful about God. What happens if I step out of what's comfortable right now, what's secure right now, and I find myself as, uh, you know, part of a young family with little kids in a position where we can't pay our bills? What if we step out in faith and we find that like, like we can't put food on the table? And I felt like nonetheless, the Lord said, John, it's time to get moving. Emily and I uh, talked that night and I shared with her what I felt like the Lord had been building in me and it it confirmed what was building in her. And we just resolved together, we're going to take steps to obey the Lord, even if that means taking some risk. Well, on that day, I went out to the mailbox. 
I hadn't told anybody else what we were thinking, but on that day I went out to the mailbox and in a nondescript envelope I opened it up and I found a check addressed to us for $10,000. God knew what we needed before we asked. I don't know if your story will be just like that, but it's, it's one of countless examples in my life and probably in your life and certainly in the lives of people who've been following Christ over the ages that God provides for us. He knows our inner needs and our outer needs uh, before we even know to ask for them. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. I want to just ask you, Do you believe and trust that the Lord knows your needs and intends to meet them? Do you believe in your heart of hearts that you have intrinsic value to the Lord and therefore he wants to provide for you? Are you giving your energies uh, to finding causes for worry or are you seeking first the kingdom and finding reasons to hope? What are you seeking first and treasuring most? Let me pray. Lord Jesus, would you give us grace by the Holy Spirit to envision ourselves to be pilgrim people who are trusting you for our sustenance and our significance along the way. Pour out your Spirit on us and help us to be people who seek first the kingdom of God, the righteousness of the Father, and trust that you're going to meet all of our needs along the way. For those who are fearful and anxious and afraid, for those who feel especially given to depression and worry, I pray that you would bring healing and alleviation as we trust in you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Love you, friends. See you around.